head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 280 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. The Hangover God, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcast, joined today by the Ralph Hassenhutl of Irish MMA Media, Graham MacDonald, as we talk about last night's card, maybe a little bit about next week's UFC card as well. Now, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter and a different podcast this week, because we're going to have multiple podcasts this week, because there's a pile of Cage Warriors cards coming up, there's Bellator cards coming up, uh, and everything like that. So we're going to split it into a couple, because we it would turn into a five-hour podcast if we did it that way. I have a special guest coming on on Tuesday to... Uh, preview the cage wires trilogy with me so i'll that'll be up for free everywhere it'll be on patreon as well but now would be a great time to sign up for patreon patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast we're going to have we'll probably have more podcasts in the next week than we've ever had in a week on uh, the normal free feed and the patreon feed as well so it's a a great time to sign up and a great time to support if you like this and you want to support the website you want to see more podcasts coming all the time um sign up and support us and try to help us keep the lights on graham hartings any crack uh, all good, all good. Can't complain. No, it was a, it was a good, uh, it was a good night of fights, uh, especially on the prelims. Having all them quick finishes definitely, definitely uh, can keep you interested when there's a lot of, when there's a lot of boring decisions. They're not even boring decisions, but a lot of decisions with no real consequence. It can, it can get a bit yeah. tiresome. But I think, uh, I think the fact that all the, like you know, you had Tyson Nam, you had, you had, a, you had a lot of good finishes. So uh, yeah, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a good card overall. Like obviously the main event wasn't too exciting mm-hmm. yeah but we I, come to expect that from a from a woodley fight now yeah i got home last night and i saw i think i saw the merced bektich fight and i saw all the rest of them and they went back and kind of saw the highlights of one of them you you saw them all anyway so it was uh watching yeah it. yeah your boy bektich as well Oof. yeah he was your boy of, bektich he was winning was he, he like, like he was uh, doing what he always yeah. does yeah yeah came back and uh, Damon Martin as they kept calling him on the broadcast got, uh, got to submit <laughs> Vectich is one of those lads it's like it feels like he has he has it all he has everything but he just I feel like he isn't made out for MMA you know I think he'd be maybe better some other sport or maybe like as a as a, a wrestler or jiu-jitsu or something like that it's just some and you know not everyone is made out for you know the sport they're in or not made out to be a world champion in the sport they're in it's just I don't know and maybe it's not maybe he would be but maybe it was the injuries down through the years and all the setbacks and all of this just kind of maybe wrecked him a bit mentally and and the way he physically fights as well like because uh, okay, maybe it's just me because I said I thought he'd be very good and I said I thought he'd be a champion. So maybe I'm biased and just trying to, like, uh, you know... Uh, justify it. Yeah, after justify it. <laughs> I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Like, do you, she don't think so, though. Yeah. No. I, yeah, I do think... Like, you remember, like, for years we were talking about how good he could have been if he wasn't just injured the whole time and how yeah. when you're rehabbing all the time, you can't really improve at the same rate you would if... if for example, if Bektich had to come along and had the talent he did when he first came to the UFC and had no injuries and fought every whatever three four months three mm-hmm. times three four times a year uh obviously you'd expect that he'd make more improvements in, in in those camps than he than he has and i think that maybe maybe he just reached his ceiling but i think all of those injuries like there are a lot of injuries um i can't even remember all of these there's so many injuries mm-hmm. that it's hard to remember and it's very hard to overcome that like if you, even one serious injury is hard to overcome especially in a really stacked division yeah, it's in, like and you like see, you're coming back. You're com- you don't like you're coming back from from injury and you're fighting. Okay, maybe it's not like you know one of the top guys, but it's a it's a tough guy every time in that division. And uh, you know you can be dominating a fight like he was last night and and get caught in a guillotine. And it's it's um it's kind of sad to be honest that we yeah. maybe we're just maybe as you said we're just we just overhyped him. Maybe people are saying shouting at the podcast saying no you guys have been wrong for fucking six years about mm-hmm. this guy but uh, I, I, I think 
I think it's a it's a lot of wasted potential. Not wasted, but just un- yeah, it is wasted. But n- yeah. not that he wasted it himself. Yeah. Just that it was unfortunate circumstances. MMA is such a cutthroat sport as well. I think apart from maybe like the the hundred meters and the Olympics, it's there's or most Olympic sports. It's the most cutthroat fucking sport in terms of like not being able to ease yourself back in. Like I was watching the the Spurs documentary there the other day, and uh, their winger Eric Lamella got injured. And he was coming back from injury and. Uh, he went out and he trained for like 10 minutes and then he came back he's like alright I'm, I'm not kind of feeling it came in the next week and he trained okay and they're like you know can you play and he's like you know maybe and then they asked him would he play like 15 minutes he came back and he played 15 minutes and maybe he played 20 minutes the next time and he played an hour maybe the next time and then you, you know he can start the match or, or whatever you know that can't happen in MMA you know and it doesn't especially in the UFC and especially for uh, Bektic in a division like that with Federer where everyone's a killer or everyone you know even he's fought kind of a new uh, a few new guys coming into the UFC and stuff who are looking for the chance and are, are looking to take out a guy like Bektic and have seen what he has done before like it's there's just no easing yourself in there um, for a guy like Bektic in, the, in that sort of division in this sort of promotion so it's a it's a really tough road like even, the, th- the thing about this is right we can pick out any prospect we want coming up. And I've said this multiple times because we we kind of skirt the line between uh, obviously covering the UFC and covering the very top as we'll talk about in, in the main event tonight, but also covering like amateurs in Ireland and like going to, you know, Cage Legacy shows and you back in the day, going to the, all those Battle Zone shows and all. We kind of see guys coming from right there. You know, I was, I, both of us have seen like James Galler and Kiefer Crosby and stuff fighting as an amateur and now getting, you know, towards title shots maybe in Bellator or seeing, you know, you, obviously you've seen Conor McGregor from the very early days and stuff and getting to be the biggest star in the history of the sport. You can see guys come. And the difference between a guy who gets to the very top and a guy who doesn't can sometimes just be look. Like it can sometimes just be one guy got an injury at this time one guy didn't get the injury at that time and he wasn't able to kick on and he wasn't able to get that big fight and he wasn't able to get signed by the UFC when they came to Ireland or something like that like we we all often spoke about Brian Moore how he was along with all those guys in SBG at that time and he just kind of didn't get signed at the time uh, for whatever reason and he kind of missed the ball and now he's doing it in Bellator again so he can come back around for lads as well you know and even even at the very top of it like look at someone like Bisping we always thought he was going to miss a title shot you know he was never going to get it and he was too old and he lost too many times and he was lucky he came around but there's some guys who'll never get that like there's some guys like you say like even like Uriah Hall we thought he was going to be really good and maybe he'll come back in yeah. but you know even Bisping even yeah. Bisping is a good, is a good one you brought up there because I remember when Ariel did an interview with him, uh, like a long kind of walk and talk style interview with mm. Bisping, and he kind of Bisping kind of admitted that he's never going to make it. He t- he kind of accepted that he was begrudgingly, re- like kind of reluctantly accepted that he was never really going to get his, his to win the belt. And he people were talking about him as like, oh, is he the best fighter that will never win a title and stuff like that? And then on short notice, an, an injury to somebody else, he comes in uh, against Rockhold and. Uh, we obviously know what happened then so like things can change so quickly but if I can't remember who Rockhold was meant to fight but if that Rockhold's opponent didn't get injured that would have never happened for Bisping mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting and like even you know that's what you say like yeah. it doesn't even have to be injuries to you it can be injuries to other people just mm-hmm. opportunities come up out of the blue and you happen to be ready or I don't think Bisping was even ready he was like on a film set or something but yeah. he was ready enough that he could make the weight and go yeah, it's very like even I was looking the other day at uh, my boy Valdrum Lubishani and looking at his record. Like he fought Franz Malambo and Reese McKee as a, as an amateur, like you know. And I I always thought like he's a really good fighter and he could get very far. And then you know he was supposed to come back last year, but he hasn't fought since that Reese McKee fight. I don't think. And like Reese McKee's in the UFC now, and Franz Malambo had a great performance and he's fighting in Bellator again in in a couple of weeks' time. So it's you know it's interesting to see where guys who maybe look on the same trajectory at one time can kind of go off that trajectory like Bektic I often thought was on the trajectory to get to a championship or maybe at worst like maybe a Lamas or a, a Chad Mendes sort of trajectory where he might fight for a title and maybe lose to an Aldo or a McGregor or a Holloway or whoever it might be uh, but get there now. and he just I don't think he's ever going to get there now at this age and it is kind of sad but so look, that's that's reality of MMA it's a very cutthroat business but however right run us through some of this undercard Graham Tyson Nam your boy I know you have a soft spot as well for Tyson Nam and getting another knockout here 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, I always like Tyson Am. He's always in exciting fights, and um, that knockout of uh, Eduardo Dantas is is very memorable because the whole thing was this is so strange. Mm-hmm. On like, uh, just going back to that Dantas fight, it was like nobody had really heard that he was fighting. It was like a real short notice thing, fighting a different promotion as Bellator champion, and obviously Tyson Nam just knocked him out. So it was kind of like, oh, who is this Tyson Tyson Nam guy? Maybe he's way better than than we thought, and kind of keep an eye on him. But he isn't. Maybe he isn't the the consistent like top level performer, but he's all always exciting and he always he's always dangerous as he proved in in that fight where he kind of announced himself and in and in this fight but a really 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 nice knockout mm-hmm. um yeah okay uh you know uh jerome uh, riviera isn't exactly a, a top guy but he went in there and and like absolutely dominated him uh including a, a beautiful finish yeah he got a lovely finish in his last and, fight as uh, well so doing doing really well now andre yule as well uh got the win over uh erwin rivera he's won his last two as well after losing to uh marlon vera in uh in a fight there last year as well so a good split decision win for him there uh randy tell us about that randy costa he got a hate kick KO over journey newson <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was really nice. Um, like, it's hard to know how how good these guys are, but when you're coming out and putting highlight reels together like that, like you know, a beautiful head kick and the punches are pretty much, you know, rudimentary. They they weren't even needed, but uh, yeah, it's it's hard to know how far he'll go. You know, he was coming in five and one, now he's six and one. He's still very early in his career, but it's it's a it's a real way to announce yourself like it's a it's it's one they can put on the highlight reels for probably the rest of his career and you know in the past six and one guys will be maybe fighting on you know much lower shows and not maybe not even on tv or you'd, you'd tune in to see them on inside mma but now you know this guy's uh three fights deep into his ufc career and he's six and one <laughs> you know what i mean it's it's There's a couple of good guys like things Jer- have changed journey nuisance is no joke that he beat last night and he knocked out uh, Boston, Boston Salmon, Salmon as well, yeah. and he's like he's Boston Salmon's been around a while. You know he's a he's a tough guy as well, so definitely want to keep an eye on. Uh, well, he's, what is he though? He's he's very early in his career as well. Boston Salmon, yeah. he's another one of those guys that yeah, historically or like in, in most of the history of the UFC wouldn't wouldn't even be in the UFC yet. Like, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, like it's hard to know. We'll see them step up, and there's 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 a lot better people at the top of the, the 135 pound division so it wouldn't get carried away but in yeah. terms of you know first round head kick knockout you can't really say too much bad about it mm-hmm. yeah that's true um then Derek minor got a submission with a guillotine over tj laramie and then there's this controversial jiu-jitsu. fight jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu <laughs> there was a controversial fight between jessica rose clark and sarah alpar so we kind of talked about this uh, I think I don't know myself and Andy on a podcast we did recently about uh, replays and instant replays in MMA, and it was used here. So there was a knee which the referee thought was illegal from Jessica Rose Clark. Uh, when Alpar went down, um, she gave he gave her time to recover because he thought it was illegal. Then the they went to the instant replay, which they can now in Nevada, I believe. Um, I think uh, Trent Reinsmith was actually yeah, tweeting about it last fight, week. Yeah. yeah, so they can do it during the fight and restart the fight. So that's exactly what they did it now. There was a bit of controversy because it wasn't done in like maybe the particular way you'd like to do it. And there was people in the cage and it was a bit like, oh, what's going on? It was fly by the seat of your pants sort of thing. But I think, you know, overall, maybe the the, the debate in this, I like, I don't like technology. Well, there's definitely some teething problems with yeah. There's definitely some teething problems with it that they have to sort out. But it'd be interesting to see if how it would work if, if they did it properly. And uh, I just think that there isn't, maybe I'm wrong, but there isn't that many incidents, maybe like short grabs and cage grabs. You're not going to go at or you're going to ruin the whole, the whole flow of the fight. Like obviously like a fight ending knee or mm-hmm. soccer kick or something like that. I can understand, but if you're going to do it, you have to do it right. But I suppose, yeah, this probably is just teething problems. Yeah. Bit I, of a mess. I like it for fight ending sequences. Like if this had ended the fight, I, I would say fine, go back and look at it and say, if, Say if the, that person wasn't able to to keep going, but he thought it was an illegal knee. But if it turned out it actually wasn't an illegal knee, it was a legal knee, that should be a KO. So it should be changed. It should be gone back. They should look at it on the replay after the fight and say, right, no, that's not a disqualification or it's not a no contest. That yeah. was a, a legal KO. Otherwise, d- people will be saying, oh, I got hit illegally. And then just to get, when they're about to get finished and then mm-hmm. they get a time enough for the it's a replay. And then, oh, no, and start to fight again. That, that exactly. can't, be, can't be like that. And as we've seen in MMA, referees almost always look at fighters and when they say they've been eye poked or hit illegally and trust them they all and i i kind of like that because you know it's 
it's a, like maybe an unwritten rule of, of MMA a little bit, even though it's a written rule that they probably shouldn't. But I, I don't mind it most of the time. But I... I I don't like instant replay in the middle of the fights. I don't like it in any sports to be honest. More well, more sports like it's alright. Like it's alright in the sports, say like NFL, where it's a stop start sport anyway. But in the middle of a fight, right? If you st- as, as you said there, like if you stop someone uh, after they've been need hard, and then you go and you spend forty five seconds checking if they've been need hard, and then it turns out, oh fuck it, they have. You're starting back the fight. That's completely unfair to the person who threw the knee. Like, you're just taking away that person's ability to, um, and it's, you know, when you look at it, to, to finish the fight, taking away their ability to finish the fight, but also their ability to score more with the judges. Like, I remember when I did the podcast with, uh, with Ben Cartlidge there recently, we were talking about that, uh, I think it was the, the Darren Till fight where he, like, I, I can't remember the exact thing now, but he was talking about, like, Till landed a big shot and what came after it kind of shows how dominant he was or how hurt the person was or, or, or you know, when you're judging fights like that, if they land one big shot and hurt them and then land a couple of more shots after it, kind of that big shot will actually score more because you can kind of realise the effect it had on that person because they'd maybe, you know, dropped their defence and the person who landed the big shot was able to land more shots and they're scoring, therefore scoring more again after it. So, like, you take away the ability of the offensive fighter to do that and it's written in the rules, MMA is an offensive sport. Do we want to change and alter things so we take away offence in the sport? Like, I don't. I don't like that. Now, you're going to have issues with that because you're going to have wrong decisions, but you're going to have wrong decisions anyway. And I think I think this is like a wrong decision to get a right decision. I'd rather just the wrong decision, to, to, to be honest. Like, you know, because you could have a wrong decision to get a wrong decision too after that. So it's, to me, I don't like it. I, a frightening sequence is absolutely, and I think Andy suggested it last time, if it was, you know, if it was something like um, where the, the fight is naturally stopped anyway, even maybe at the end of the round or with, you know, whatever it might be, maybe then, but yeah, I don't like it in the middle of the fight, to be honest. I'm, I'm not a big fan of it, but however. Um, yeah, so there was an armbar as well here, a couple of armbars in this. Uh, this year. Um, <laughs> the year of the armbar. Maria Bueno Silva got Mara Romero Barella in an armbar. Uh, and David Dvorak, fighting out of London Shoe Fighters, I believe, uh, beat uh, Jordan Espinosa. So whenever you see someone with uh, an non-English name fighting out of London Shoe Fighters, you know, they're probably back them because they're probably unreal and they're probably going to fucking win. Uh, so fair play to, to him there uh, as well. Uh, Kevin Holland, Darren Stewart, close split decision there. I was, I'm not going to lie, I was half drunk watching this fight, uh, so I didn't score it perfectly. But I don't know, I... I saw a lot of people saying they thought Stuart won. I'm watching it fucking with 15 points inside of me. I kind of did too, but like, well, what did you think? Yeah, like, uh, to be honest, I wasn't scoring it, like, you know, strike for strike. It, it wasn't the most important or, or interesting fight, but I was surprised from the the kind of 90% watching I did of it <laughs> that, that uh, Stuart didn't get the, the decision. And I think, uh, uh, yeah, I think... Uh, it's hard to say, like, uh, the judges were wrong when I didn't watch it as intensely as maybe I should have. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, I did think that Stuart, and I think the reactions of um, of the fighters was, was, was surprised as well. But I did see that a lot of uh, a lot of people were scoring it for, for Holland. So uh, I'd probably have to go back and watch that one before I'd give a... Watch that one again before I'd give a... Um, I could definite give a, score, a solid, yeah. informed. Yeah, it's probably uh, one. Yeah, definite score. It's probably one you wouldn't go back and watch back either because it wasn't, you know, the best fight in the world. But sure, however, yeah. uh, I think Kevin Holland said he wouldn't mind the rematch as well. So maybe, maybe you make that fight, and I wouldn't mind, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing that again. Um, then there was another arm bar, an arm bar. It actually is the year. I like. Do you reckon I've single-handedly or single-armedly maybe brought back the arm bar in MMA? No, no. I, I think I have. Like, I, I think I've changed the face of the game and brought the armbar back so now you're taking credit for all the jiu-jitsu that you said didn't work yeah. it's, it's, it's good logic you have here it, do you know what that is now that's um criticizing something and saying so much truth about manifesting it manifesting it into reality yeah that it becomes reality like <laughs> i was talking the other day to about uh pierre emmerich Aubameyang, and i was like he i was kind of calling him a bit of a loser because he's signed with arsenal and kept going when he's like a really good player and all arsenal fans came out and they're like what are you saying you know and they usually wouldn't say anything but like because they knew it was the truth you know and they kind of got mad about it jiu-jitsu people knew it was the truth as well and decided to kind of change things up now the reason, the reason, right, I, I, obviously that was, <laughs> uh, that's joking, but like the reason I think there is more 
uh, arm bars, arm bar, and more submissions uh, and more finishes indeed in MMA these days is because we don't have as many um, people as well prepared. We have more um, squash matches. We have more, well, not squash matches necessarily, but more matchmaking that wouldn't be as perfect as you'd want it. We have the smaller cage, which makes for more exciting fights, more takedowns, more submissions. And I, I love that. I think it's all good. Like, I love jiu-jitsu. I love submissions. I love big knockouts. I love exciting fight finish and stuff. So I have no problem with it. I'm, I'm delighted jiu-jitsu came back. And McKinsey Dern, I, like, I have a, I have a bit of a soft spot for McKinsey Dern because I think she's one of these people as well who she always improves little bits. You know, I, I saw her talking before the fight and she was saying, after I got that leg lock in my last, was it the last fight or the fight before? But recently, anyway, she was like, oh, fuck you know, my submissions work in MMA, you know, and I'm I'm a world-class submission artist, I need to go for more of these and do different things, and we saw it last night, she went for a fucking mounted go-go plata at one stage, I'm sure there's another name for it that the Judas and Nerds will tell me, and she got a, this is an armbar, but it was a different sort of armbar, you know, it was one of those, it was the Katzengano or Ronda Rousey sort of armbar, where they put it up to the, the top of the, the hip and around the back, rather than, you know, the, the two legs uh, across, one across the, the belly and one across the, the chin with the arm uh, ex- hyper-extended, so like this even this and I was okay you can say it's an armbar but it was a different sort of armbar and I think she's realising maybe that right I think her striking has improved tenfold more probably since she started uh, in MMA or since her early days uh, I think her wrestling is better I think her ways of getting the fight to the ground are better even last night she, uh, it was it reminded me a little bit of, of Jacare or, or uh, even Verdun more so you know do you throw this big high kick fall to your back like you know the uh, someone put the edge here and your legs don't work like you used to before a song on it last night where McKinsey Darren literally just kind of fell to her back and brought Marka uh, uh, Marka Ronda Marcus in uh, into her guard coming to my gorge and uh, she got her in there and ended up getting the submission but like I think smart like that. if you're a jiu-jitsu artist like that I think you need to be a bit of a prick like you know you have to fake things fake knockdowns pull guard you know do things to get people into your world to, to fucking choke him yeah, out. Like. Just do what Fabrizio Doom made a career on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he showed the, the blueprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's brilliant. I like what you think of McKinsey Dern. Do you rate her as highly as I do? Um, I don't know. Like, it's, it's hard to know. Um, when you get to the very top level, will this, will this still work? Mm-hmm. Probably work a few times, but will it work consistently? Like, w- w- I don't think so. Like I think I think she's definitely making improvements and she'll probably continue to improve. So I think if she continues to improve, obviously she can she can beat better better opponents. But at the moment I wouldn't be rushing to put her in there against the, the very top girls in the division. Yeah, I would agree. I think I mean, does she have a style that could be Zhang Weili? Like how good is Zhang Weili on the ground? I don't know. I haven't seen much of her there. Maybe maybe I have, but I just don't remember it. But like um uh, Mackenzie Dern is 9-1 now in her career that Amanda Hebas fight is the only loss of her career maybe that's a fight you make again down the line you know, when she's getting up there but I think they're, they've worked her well I, I think that you know she fought Ashley Oder she fought uh, Amanda Cooper and now Hannah Cyphers and Randa Marcus I think Marcus is a very good matchmaker I think for Mackenzie Dern it's a little bit of a tougher fight and kind of moving her on in her career as well uh, and I think you know as you said there no, no point in rushing her there's no need for it she's still young and she's still uh, you know in terms of age and in terms of uh, fighting in MMA, so looking forward to seeing her uh, again. Um, the next fight, then we had Ireland's own Shawnee Shuler, Johnny Walker against Ryan Span in kind of a, a wild fight. You know, Span came out and knocked down Johnny yeah. Walker, and Walker kind of came back and Span pushed him against the cage very oddly, and then uh, Johnny Walker landed some McGregor elbows and some of those punches as well. Very good stuff from well, it was a good fight, but very good stuff and good finish from Johnny Walker, wasn't it? Yeah, Johnny Walker fights are usually uh, are usually um, explosive at the start, but this time it kind of he he got rocked, and uh, I think at one stage they both kind of like rocked each other, yeah. but Johnny Walker was a bit rock, bit more rocked, and uh, at one stage he was landing punches on on the takedown attempt, and it looked like Span kind of dropped for a second as well, so it, he kind of was foolhardy going back to that position. Obviously, he was maybe he was a bit out of it and just trying to grab onto the legs, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, he ate a lot of those those punches and elbows, and uh, you could see it coming before it happened. Um, yeah, you you really could. Like, if you get in a position like that with Johnny Walker, where you have him against the cage, and he starts landing those punches like that or those elbows, that's where you need to fucking bail because 
Johnny Walker is the type of guy, if you can get him in certain situations where, like, you're either, like, very close to him and in a position where he can't hit you that hard or very far away from him, where maybe you can come in and get out very quickly, you know, you can beat him in those positions. We've seen that before, you know, with the, wasn't the Corey Anderson knockout like that where he kind of came in quickly and knocked him out? But if you're in a position with Johnny Walker where you're close to him and he can hit you, you're in a bad, bad position with a guy like Johnny Walker. Like some fighters, you kind of want to get in that position, you know, maybe take a, a shot and land two or three, maybe be faster than him or more powerful than him, but not against Johnny Walker. He loves that sort of position. That's his world. Like he wants to get close to you where he's hurting you. Like, and uh, yeah, as you were mentioned there, like, Ryan Spann got in that position and he uh, he he lived to regret it and uh, look it was, it's good to see obviously you know Irish MMA now Johnny Walker's on but it's good to see Johnny Walker kind of maybe not reinventing himself but after a couple of losses as I, as I mentioned he had a Corey Anderson one in, in November last year and March this year he lost to Nikita Krylov as well in that uh, in that decision fight and he was you know won four or five fights before that in the UFC it's so good to see him getting a win back because like I've been saying it a lot, and it's going to be a thing that I keep talking about, but we need more excitement in the UFC, and we need more fighters like Johnny Walker or like Mikel Pereira or whoever it might be, these exciting guys coming through. And uh, I think having someone like Johnny Walker in that division, especially with new life being bred to that division with John Jones gone, like that's that's an open ticket there, that, that division at light heavyweight. Um, you know, with the title fight coming up next weekend, I think, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second. But... Uh, big 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 win for johnny walker there do you think uh, do you think he has the prospect of becoming like a a top top guy in, in that division like i know okay you could say what you want about mm. about spg and stuff and about you know maybe the, the they don't have that many big guys and stuff or whatever you want to say but i think with johnny walker you know having kind of spoken to him last year and the problems he's had in his career with finding gyms and stuff I feel like if he's just, no matter where it is, whether it's SPG or fucking Canada or back in Brazil, if he's settled somewhere, I feel like that'll benefit Johnny Walker hugely. It feels like that's what he's been missing. And maybe the Rona, the fact that he was kind of maybe stuck here for a while as well, mightn't have been the worst thing in the world for Johnny Walker and uh, to get him settled. Do, do, do you kind of see that with him as well? And do you think he can, you, you're unconvinced here they can get that title? Uh, it's it's just hard to judge like you know he's coming off two losses and in this fight you know he he was on the verge of getting getting finished in, in the first round well maybe not on the verge but he was close enough to getting finished so you know things could have been very different if if the ref had stepped in or span had landed a couple of it's true, a couple yeah. of hammer fists or punches on the ground um it's hard to know like you know johnny walker he obviously has a lot of talent like nobody's nobody's doubting that especially offensively like we've seen some some crazy stuff for him and he's still i think he's still in his what his mid-20s or mm -hmm. late 20s like he's, he's he has a lot of a lot of time but it's um it's hard to know it's just hard to know and like obviously john jones has gone from that division but there's still a lot of good guys in that division obviously not of the caliber of john jones like it definitely opens it up for for these guys as you mentioned but I think we we still have a lot. To, Johnny Walker has a lot to kind of prove, but yeah, maybe maybe being like as he talked to you, like you know, having a lot of problems with previous camps, maybe a, a steadier camp will will uh, will suit him. And obviously, his, his wife is is Northern Irish, is she? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think she is. Yeah, so so she'd probably be be happier in in Ireland than jumping around different gyms. So you know. Uh, it, it, it's still a lot to prove for Johnny Walker, I think. Yeah, if you need any sparring, Johnny, give me a, give me a call. I'll be down. Be down. Be down. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Shimaev in a second, but and everyone's giving out to me because I pronounce his name wrong. It's Kamzat. I've been calling him Hazmat, which is completely incorrect, but sure, look, these things happen. What about this Cerrone-Nico Price fight? Uh, I thought, like, Nico Price came out... Um, just was destroying Cerrone early. I thought he was going to finish him, but credit to Cerrone, you know, he kept in there. Yeah. I think we talked about it... About that Pettis fight, maybe slow start, like yeah. <laughs> but that, I think that Pettis fight maybe proved a little bit to Cerrone that you know after McGregor fight where he looked like limp and got just destroyed there that he can still do it. You know he was obviously just hugely outmatched in that fight, but I, I think that kind of stood him that comeback Pettis fight stood him in this fight and uh, he came through it. What do you think of the like the eye? There was a couple of eye pokes. The first one I thought was pretty bad, but the second one I didn't really think was even an eye poke. To be honest, he got like a bit of a tumor the outside of the glove. I thought. I thought, and I know, I think it was just nerves. When, when you when you outstretch, when you outstretch or you stretch out your fingers like that, where you're not supposed to, and even if it goes a little bit, like you, you know, his sensitive eyes are like. I don't think mm -hmm. Cerrone's the kind of guy to to ham up. 
and uh, like he kind of historically would just take less time than most people on a, on a legit eye poke and, and go on but I, I maybe Nico Price's reaction kind of confirmed yeah. to the ref that like oh he's done something wrong here and clearly and I need to I need to take a point here yeah I, I thought it was a harsh and I, I think Jason Herzog is the best referee in the world but I think it was a harsh uh, point deduction like I think there's something else you can do Me without too. point deductions point deductions are, t- are too much like everyone like roars take a point and I, like in, in a fight like the Raymond Daniels fight the last time or something like that if that lad was able to continue then there should be a fucking point taken or two points taken you know when it's really affecting the fight usually when someone's badly hurt and now the first one was pretty bad but you all you know you know MMA you're always given one I just don't think the second one was bad enough to take the the, the point and it changed the whole outcome of the fight, which was unfortunate. But yeah, um, yeah, it was look. It Especially was, when you see so many fights with, with a couple of eye pokes, like it wasn't it was, like you know one that is very memorable is uh, Ponzinibbio and Gunnar Nelson. It wasn't yeah. that like you're saying. It wasn't like this huge, egregious, ridiculous mm. eye poke where his fingers are swimming around in your eye. It was he shouldn't have had his hands open like that. The, the refs always say keep your hands closed or whatever, but. It, <laughs> Like they, these gloves apparently don't don't curve your fingers like some of the other promotions gloves or some of the other gloves that are on the market do to kind of easily keep your fingers like that. It kind of it's kind of a not a difficult thing, obviously. Like you know, it's much more difficult all the the, the techniques and stuff. But mm-hmm. just in the moment when you're just throwing something out there, you, you could do it. But like I don't think Price was doing this on purpose. I think it was a mistake. And as you said, it wasn't this huge fight altering eye poke that maybe would deserve a point but by the letter of the law you can't really argue with Herzog's decision mm-hmm. yeah um, Cerrone got one card I think and Price got or well the, the other two were 29-28 which would two draws, have been to 28-28 yeah. yeah so uh, it would have been a split decision when it would have been 29-28 and for one for Cerrone and two for uh, for Price here I uh, I don't know I, I feel like you know, I feel like the two judges who got a 28-28 got it right. I think Cerrone won the third round, I think it was, and I think Price won the, the other two. But, uh, yeah, look, a good fight. Maybe maybe it's a good rematch to have as well. I think both guys would probably, uh, probably want that. All right, let's talk about Hamzat. Um, this guy goes in there and... <laughs> you said it wrong again. I did, did I? Hamzat. Hamzat, that's it, isn't it? Hamzat? Hamza. Oh, okay, sorry. I got it right. Uh, he goes in there and he just... Like, I, I did a rewatch this week and I watched a bit of Gerald Burchard. Um, and I talked about, like, pushing him back like this where he likes to counter a bit and you can see him open. But I thought, you know, uh, Shimaev would do a little... Am I saying Shimaev wrong as well? Is it Shimaev? Shimaev. I'm calling him Shimaev. But, um... I thought he'd do this and try to push him back, but I try. I thought he'd try to get him to the ground by doing this, and I think uh, Mershart probably did too because he saw him coming. He was like, "Right, I'm not yeah." You can see the way down. he was circling away, circling away, <laughs> circling away, trying to just his mind was on not getting taken down. I think uh, yeah. she may have just you know benefited from from um, his opponent just looking looking down to take down basically, and. The, in fairness, though, it was a, it was a mm. nice, sharp, quick uh, punch, and it it connected with a lot of power, and it, it it's it's good for his prospects to see that he has that in his locker. Yeah, do you know the thing about this shot as well is, it wasn't like it was a very good, a very well technically thrown shot, but it wasn't one like you caught him right in the jaw or you caught him right in the sweet spot. You know, it wasn't one of them. This was a, just a fucking bludgeoning power shot this shows that Shimaev he has the technique and he has the takedowns and he has the wrestling ability but he also has bludgeoning power huge power because he just destroyed Mershart with this shot like he went just he just broke his face with this shot like it was this is a very 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 interesting guy we have here in uh, Hamza Shimaev uh, I probably said it wrong it's unlike anything I think we've ever seen in MMA before now we've seen guys coming through and we've seen Habib being dominant on the ground but we saw okay maybe he's good striking but not the best striking in the world and he's he's interesting we've I don't think we've ever seen a guy as dominant as this on the ground who can knock guys out with Conor McGregor power like you know I don't think we've ever seen that before in MMA especially from a guy nine fights in or eight fights in or whatever it might be this is a scary prospect and an exciting... It's like it's a little bit more exciting. You know, we, we all kind of saw Habib coming through. Um, I think me, you, you know, the man in the moon said that Habib was going to be a champion. I think everyone's probably saying the same with, with Shimaev here. Although uh, at, uh, at middleweight or at, uh, at welterweight might, might, be, might be a little bit of a different discussion because there's a lot of good wrestlers there as well. But I think the thing with him is 
with Habib, there's a little bit like, right, he's dominant on top, and I love it, and lots of people love it, but it can be sometimes a little bit boring, you know, because he's so dominant. And there was a tendency to think that with Shemaev as well, with his last two fights. But now he has this as well. You know, he has it all. Like, Shemaev has the dominant wrestling, but he has the knockout power as well. And that's just so exciting, isn't it? I Like... It's hard sometimes to get excited about things in MMA, but seeing like him versus Damian Maya, what a fucking what a matchup that is coming up. Like everyone before was like, "Ah, oh, too soon," you know. He shouldn't be matched twice. Maya's a step too far for him. And in seventeen seconds later, everyone's saying like, "Ah, oh, poor Damian Maya. <laughs> What's he gonna do? What do you think of that? Do you think that's the right next step for him?" Yeah, I definitely was one of them people who thought like uh, Damian Maya might be. Uh, a little bit too risky for the reward, you know what I mean? It's not yeah. the exact style matchup that maybe would be so exciting, but uh, it definitely makes it seem more plausible or more um, the the more correct or the I don't know what word I'm not searching for here, but um, it, it definitely it definitely excites me more now this fight, even though maybe like even having seen that knockout or whatever, Maya on the ground might be able to kind of. You know, get some stuff done, and might be able to at least uh, not get TKO'd in the first round, like all of his opponents seem to. But um, maybe my a few years ago, you'd be kind of tipping him to get the submission, but now it's hard to know. And with, with the with the you know momentum, um, the quick turnarounds, you know, these camps, these this experience is is mm-hmm. great for Shimaev. Um, yeah, like I'd have to pick him over Maya now. Me too. Yeah, uh, I hope that. But I don't. Maybe it won't be the. It won't be the most. Maybe it won't be as dominant as his other fights. But maybe it will because you know Maya. You know he isn't exactly known for his striking, and mm-hmm. he's. It, you know he's not exactly a takedown artist. He's more of a, a trip and a throw guy. But against Shimaev, we don't know yet. Like maybe he's unbelievably offensively, offensively good wrestling, or maybe wrestling wise, and maybe defensively he's not quite where he is offensively. But we'll, we'll soon find out against. Um, Maya's trips and maybe as he goes up in the division against people like Covington in terms of pure wrestling but Mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of reason to be excited 100% Uh, speaking of Covington there and and his pure wrestling I think we we saw a lot of that wrestling uh, last night in the main event against Tyron Woodley which we won uh, which Covington won by a TKO uh, in in round 5 with the rib injury although should that not be a submission He, he verbally tapped I don't know it's a TKO anyway, but um, like it was, Woodley came out and he looked. It went pretty much exactly as we expected, yeah. except for the didn't go to the decision. We didn't we we didn't predict the the rib injury. Yeah, uh, like Woodley came out and I thought he was looking awake. You know, he was looking for that shot. He was throwing a few shots and stuff. Uh, but the first big right hand he threw, uh, Covington dipped under it, went for a takedown, and from that point on, it was basically all Cubby Covington. I think landed a lovely body kick at one straight, uh, once uh, once stage landed some lovely uh straight lefts down the middle uh, and got in the clinch from most of it in the second round uh got a knee in the clinch from colby woodley kind of stopped the, the clinch and stopped the takedown for a while and got a takedown of his own but colby just got straight back up into the clinch again landed a few second round i think was probably the closest of all rounds but i gave still gave it to colby the third round there was the eye poke um dan mergliata gave time woodley plenty of time here like you're not supposed to get five minutes but he gave him plenty of it and uh, then Colby came back, landed all strikes, and dominated. Yeah, well, you meant to get a minute and a half, yeah? I no, a I don't. Half, are you? I, I thought you were supposed on, to immediately. On the commentary, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. On the commentary, was that the fight where they were talking about how long, or was that yeah, a different fight? Yeah, I think I was that a ball. Like, the balls or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy having a clue what they're fucking talking about. Like it's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, they're just confusing the situation. Yeah, they just make it worse. <laughs> when you're half listening, when you because I I kind of have a. a unconscious way of just kind of zoning out of the commentary a lot of the time as well so sometimes you just hear something and you're not sure what they're talking about yeah and sometimes I get drawn in and I'm like because they're saying something so stupid <laughs> like it's I don't know it's bad but uh, in the fourth round in Covington clinch again got a takedown got on top um, it's on top for fucking ages Woodley caught in the fourth round and in the fifth round Woodley was basically shadow boxing, acting like he was trying to hit uh, hit Covington, but never came close. Woodley got a takedown. Um, Covington or uh, Covington went to the, or Woodley went for the guillotine. Sorry, after Covington tried to take down, uh, and then he uh, he tapped. What uh, verbally tapped? What did you think of the the finish? It was it was an odd one, wasn't it? It was like <sighs> Colby came out. And you can take Col- what Colby says with a pinch of salt, I suppose. But like. 
Colby said he didn't want to go to a decision. He wanted didn't want the fifty forty five at the end of it. He you know he wanted um, you know he wanted the TKO with a rib injury that I didn't actually KO him and stuff. Do you think there's any truth to that, or do you think Woodley just got injured? Uh, I think, yeah, I think Woodley got injured. I think maybe, like, it's hard to say how bad the injury is. Like, people say it's, like, rib injury is very bad, but if he had been up and that had happened, maybe he would have he would have fought on. But the fact that he was already about to lose, maybe, you know, maybe he had less motivation to, to try and continue through the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, look, I thought the exact same. I thought he was injured. Uh, but, you know, if it was... If he was up 4-1 in that fight, if he was up 3-2, I wonder would he have stopped as easily. Now, that's an easy fucking thing for me to say, sitting here hungover on a, on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, and it's a lot different for a guy inside there. But I don't know. It was it, it seemed like a little bit odd from Woodley. Like Woodley, I think Dana White said it afterwards, he needs to retire. I, I 100% agree. Like Woodley, his last three fights in a row now... He's he was on for losing fifteen rounds in a row until this rib injury. He lost fourteen rounds in a row in his last three fights against one of the best game planners in the world, against one of the best fighters in the world for a long time. Woodley's finished as a top fighter. He's absolutely finished at this stage, uh, and it's like MMA is a sport where no one retires. But this is the point where you should retire. Like this is the point where you've come to the end. He's 38, 39 years of age. Uh, he's done it all in the game, and it's time for him to call it a day. It really is. But however, Covington then maybe right maybe the mix. maybe he still mm-hmm. has a good contract from when he was when he was champion and wants to fight that out and make the money. And you know, it's a it's a short sport, and you got to make the money or a short career in the sport, and you got to make the money while you can. So. You know, uh, ideally, he'd be in a position in a position to just retire and, and live mm-hmm. for the rest of his life on the money he's made. But I don't know if he's in that situation. Maybe yeah. financially for the for his future, he needs to uh, he needs to fight out his contract. I'm not sure how. If, maybe his contract's fought out. Or, uh, if you know, that is, maybe he has uh, one left. Maybe he has two left. But. If that's true, they should give him to Shimaev. Like he, I think Shimaev would be Woodley now. He'd just be a, too strong for him. He'd just take him down. He'd probably knock him out in the feet, maybe as well. Like it's, I think that'd be a good fight for Shimiev, to be honest. Beating the former champion, beating Woodley, who everyone kind of knows how, how good he was anyway. But uh, I don't know. It'd be one for the future, I suppose. Covington then, like Covington called out Usman. He called out. So, you, so you, you're going from he should retire to feed him to <laughs> feed him to Shimiev. Yeah, like me saying he should retire is like just because I probably should say like, and I, that's what I think. But like, it's the reality of it. He's absolutely not going to retire. Like, because no one fucking retires in MMA. And you, the point you made there, maybe he does have a good contract. And he wants to fight out. If that is the case, then I think the UFC should use him in that sort of way. Because that's what he is now as as a fighter. Like, he's not. He's not going to fight for a championship anymore. He's, you know, just that's the role he is now to put guys over. But however, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, do you like Usman versus Covington next, or Usman versus uh, Street Judas, as he called him, um, uh, Jorge Masvidal? What you, which you think will be made? Um, like in terms of sporting, it's probably Covington, but in terms of the actual like excitement of the fight, mm-hmm. or sorry, yeah, yeah, uh, Covington against Usman, but um, yeah, um, it probably should be that, but nobody's going to be up too, too upset if it's not, I don't think. Yeah. Like, I, I think Usman is fighting coming up against um, against Gilbert Burns, so obviously we have to get over that one first, but I'd love to see um, that rematch. I'd love to see Covington versus Burns as well, if that was to happen. I, I think Masvidal should avoid Covington like the plague, and I think he should avoid Usman again as well like the plague. Just put him in fun fights, put him in there with Diaz, put him in there with McGregor, you know. Uh, he seems to be a sort of a draw now, and I think he, for him himself, that's the, those are the sort of fights he needs to take. But for Covington, yeah, Covington versus Usman next if he if he wins. Um, right, let's look next, ahead to next week's UFC. And as I said earlier in the podcast, if you missed it, we're gonna look ahead to the Bellator cards, to the Cage Warriors cards during the week. Uh, they'll be up here and up on Patreon as well, and we'll have preview. Uh, reviews of all those cards as well but next week's ufc card is obviously a big one going down on september 27 back in in yaz island for uh for another card here a ufc what is this two jesus 253 um some good fights in the undercard diego sanchez versus jake matthews i like that fight i'm a big fan of jake matthews and i was a huge fan of diego sanchez uh shane young on the undercard here as well brad riddle against uh alex da silva the main card it's okay not the best in the world but uh hakim daudu versus abira to hugov 
Um, a good, a good fight. Two good, good guys. Although Tugov probably shouldn't be in the UFC after he assaulted someone in the cage uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Ketlin Vieira allegedly. Well, not allegedly. He did it. Uh, Ketlin Vieira versus Sajara Eubanks uh, as well. Eubanks only fought a couple of weeks ago and getting a big step up here against Vieira, who was probably the number one contender for maybe a year there at one stage until she got beaten. Uh, I think which was in her last fight, if I'm not mistaken. Let me have a look here. Um, yeah, it was she lost the Irina Aldana to go to ten one in her last fight? So huge fight there coming back. For, it's a huge fight for both of them. Like Vera coming back, if she wins that, she's right in the picture again. And if Eubanks wins that, she's putting herself right in the picture. I think for a, a person who's been almost had a title shot down away, uh, and with weight cutting issues and stuff, obviously uh, might be getting one now coming up away. Uh, my boy Kai Kara France against Brandon Rival. It's a good fight. A fight at the Fly Never Die Flyweight division. And then we have the two title fights. We have Dominic Reyes versus Jan Blahovic for the inter- well, not interim, the vacant uh, UFC light heavyweight title with John Jones now up to heavyweight allegedly. And we have uh, Israel Adasanya against Paulo Costa for the middleweight title in a fight that I think is a a lovely fight. I think it's a fantastic fight. I think. They're two really good fighters, but the the previews for this and the videos for this have been some of the most embarrassing promotion I think I've ever seen from the UFC. Like not in a not in a like uh, bad tactics or like you know McGregor trying to fucking dolly through a bus sort of promotion. That's a different sort of oddness to that. But like this is just so like cringy and bad. And I know Adesanya is kind of that's kind of his gimmick, I suppose, a little bit. But Costa's a very cringy kind of guy as well. I just I love the fight, but like I I hated the build up for this. I know. It's weird. Like, the build-up for this has been as shitty as the fight is good, to be honest. But, however, what do you think of these two fights, Graham? Who who are you picking? (laughs) Like, I'm always picking against Jan Blakovich, it seems. But I'm going to do it again. Um, Yeah, I think Ray is going to have too much for him. But Jan always kind of does better. I I can't remember how many times I picked him, how many times I'm not. But I I definitely have uh, not picked him in a, in a few fights that he's won and won impressively. And I always kind of say to myself, I need to make a mental note to kind of rate him higher. And mm-hmm. even with that, though, I think I think Reyes is... Um, I think he's a really good prospect. And I think <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to have too much uh, too much here. But uh, the the memories of the, <laughs> of the, the bad picks in the past are making me a little bit more... Um, a little bit less confident in the pick than maybe I maybe I would be otherwise. Uh, do you know what I think is very odd? Just looking at the the prices here, Reyes is a bigger favorite than Adesanya. I think that's very odd. Like I I, I think that Reyes Blahovich. I'm definitely picking Reyes as well. Uh, but I th- I think it's an undefeated thing when people are undefeated. Like Costa, mm-hmm. I know Adesanya is undefeated too. But you know, you, you, I think they always get a bit of a price bump in the in the market when you have that O. Yeah, I think. Reyes is, will be just a bit too big f- and strong for Blahovich, but uh, sorry to Sean Dini here, probably uh, probably uh, triggering him as, as he watches it, but I think Blahovich has has prospects to win this fight coming inside, maybe getting a few takedowns or making it a dirty sort of fight on the inside I think would be good for Blahovich. see how kind of Reyes gets on there. Um, but I, I think the main event, I, I think Adesanya is just going to pick him off handy. Like I, I think... like. Costa has two options here. He can either do a Yoel Romero sort of game plan, which he seems like he doesn't want to do, which is kind of stand on the outside, wait for Adesanya, try to maybe counter him, uh, or trying to um, try to make it like a very very close fight in terms of like land one big shot in the round and win a judge's decision that way, which I actually think is not a bad idea at all. But I don't know if he's going to do that. And the other yeah. way is just to come inside and throw balloons and try to fucking knock him out which i think will probably get him knocked out i i i just can't and i don't think um yeah. costa has the technique well, yeah. it's his i don't think it's his game to do the first part i think it is his game to do the second part and i think he he, he probably won't go as mad but i think he will at times and i think it'll probably get him knocked out what, what do you think of this fight yeah he, and he's not very active uh, costa you know t- one fight in two years against yo romero and yo romero's a great fighter and all but he's about 40 years old mm-hmm. um you know, he's not exactly... I think he's past his prime. Uh, it was definitely a good win um, against Romero and, like, no no taking away from that. But if you look at Adesanya's, uh, like, um, record, you know, there's, he's been fighting a lot more often. Um, he's probably had 
five or six fights in the time that Costas had one or two. So he's fighting people like Whitaker, Gastelum, Anderson Silva, and obviously Yo Romero as well. And he has the kind of same victory, a decision victory over him. So I, I, I like I do think the odds should be a little wider in, in terms of Adesanya in Adesanya's favor. But you know. Um, Paulo Costa, even when you look at his his record from when he was kind of fighting actively, it's like Johnny Hendricks. He wasn't wasn't the same Johnny Hendricks that maybe you know people would remember. And then the rest of them, they're just kind of not high level, not top level guys. So it's 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 surprising that the odds are so close. I think the 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 fact that he's undefeated is must be playing something into that. I'd definitely be very surprised if uh, Adesanya didn't win here. Yeah, I like. I don't see the hype about Costa to be honest. Like, I think he's a very, very good fighter, but like, I think like, and he could he could come out and make me look stupid. You know, he come out and f- knock out Adesanya. He has power, no doubt about it. But like, we've seen we've seen in the past like fighters like say an Adesanya or a Jones who are kind of like big, long guys who um you know try to like dominate the technique of fights, and that's what they're brilliant at their game planning and their technical ability. I feel like the way to beat them is probably to to knock them out because they're going to beat you uh, the other way but if you go in and try to knock them out they're probably going to lose them it's a, like a it's a fucking lose-lose situation there for guys like that and uh yeah i i don't know it's it's tough to know what should costa do should he just go balls out and try to get the the win or should he try to make it or try to get the knockout or should he make it a closer sort of fight like Romero? i don't know to be honest uh, but look it's an interesting fight anyway if Costa does come in and attack, it'll be a very fun fight. If he doesn't, it'll probably be another boring fight. And that's going to probably be the same for all Adesanya fights as we go forward. But uh, look, I'm looking forward to it anyway. Right. That's that. Um, a couple of questions here, Graham. What do you think of John Dodson getting released from the UFC from Return of the Mac over on Patreon? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be too upset, but I definitely think he, if, if, if he wanted to stay in the UFC... Um, I'm surprised they re- they released him because he he definitely is a, a good test for for a lot of up and coming guys and uh, I don't think he's any big draw they're going to lose or anything like that I don't think I don't think that but I think he, he's definitely a useful guy to have on the roster and if he wanted to stay uh, um, I'm surprised yeah yeah I I think it's uh, I think it's a good move for the UFC to be honest I think John Dodson is boring. Uh, I think he's just going to probably beat a couple of lads on the way up uh, that they don't want him to beat, and he'll go nowhere. So I think it's... I, I, if I was Bellator, I don't think I'd sign him either. Like I think it's going to be hard for John Dodson to get a new home, to be honest. Maybe he goes out to, to Japan or somewhere like that and maybe fights in you know, Demetrius Janssen or Kyoji Haraguchi over there or somewhere. But uh, yeah, I... I I don't know. I, I think it's a good move for I suppose that Demetrius Johnson, that Demetrius Johnson fight, maybe he has an eye on that. He obviously, you know, knocked down um, mm-hmm. with a left hand, I believe, knocked down uh, DJ in, in a fight. So, uh, obviously, obviously DJ kind of has disappeared from the, the public public consciousness, but maybe maybe a fight with John Dodson would do would do more for Demetrius Johnson and one than, than nearly any other fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, one or two here from Patreon, uh, stri- or from uh, Twitter even. Uh, strike that MX says seventeen seconds. Apart from Maya, who would you like to see Shimaya fight? Like, I do you know what I'd love for Shimaya? I I'd love to, for him to stick to welterweight. I don't like him fighting at um at middleweight all the time. So I think he needs to stick to welterweight. And I like I think someone in the t- I like if, okay if you were to put Maya aside, I think someone in the top. 10 top 15 right now for uh for him like even if you throw him in there again say an anthony pettis i think I, I said that one before i think that's a good fight someone mentioned vicente luca i think that's a good fight as well dos Anjos as well i mentioned that at the time uh no there's lots of who someone said it to me or, or um do you know who tweeted last night jim edwards i think tweeted it. leon edwards like it'd be a great fight for leon edwards to take i think it'd be a tough fight for for shimaev maybe a, a, a definitely a step too quickly i think but uh Leon Edwards needs a fight like this everyone's complaining about Leon Edwards not getting his due and all well Leon Edwards can get his due if he goes in there and he beats Shimev and takes the shine off him so I think that'd be a very good fight for Edwards but didn't yeah. isn't Edwards trying to uh, I believe he said a while ago he's trying to get away from fighting people ranked like a few like a lot below him uh, he's trying to he's finally get the fights against a guy ranked above him he's kind of been floating around the top five for 
for a while now, and yeah. he, he can't get a top five fight. The only ones above him are Covington, Burns, and Usman. Like we we talked about Covington earlier, and neither one of us mentioned Leon Edwards. Like you know, it's uh, he's yeah, you know that's unfortunate. And we probably should have liked, but that's because the he needs situation. he needs he needs that chance. You know, he needs that chance against a, a Thompson or a mm-hmm. or a Masvidal or a Gilbert Burns. You know, obviously. Um, we know he's very well rounded and stuff. Maybe the fact that he doesn't have any kind of explosive element, spectacular element to his game, is is holding him back in terms of the UFC putting him in there and fans kind of considering him as highly as his record would 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 demand. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, he's kind of the forgotten man in the division, even though he's been in the top five for a long time. Yeah, that's it. And last question here um, from friend of the podcast, Mr. Pod. She asked about the overall standard of UFC drop recently. It feels like uh, we haven't had a good night like this in ages. I think someone tweeted it the other day and I hadn't really thought about it that much, but like we've seen Dodson release this week and we see like, you know, Lamas retiring. A lot of the old guard and maybe the guys who were there or thereabouts for a long time are kind of getting away, either getting released from the UFC or retiring and stuff. And all these kind of younger fighters from the Dana White Contender Series are coming in. And they're not always younger fighters as well, but the thing about that is, right, some of them would be really good. You know, we'll see a Sean O'Malley who comes a bit of a draw. Or a, I think Johnny Walker came through there as well. And you'll have a few like that. But the problem now with the Dana White Contender Series is everyone that wins there is getting a, a contract. And they're just replacing older, better people who have made their way to MMA. A lot of them through, like... 15 fights before they got to the UFC or they'd be 10-0 and 0 or 8-0 and 0 or something before they got to the UFC whereas a lot of these guys are coming in with very few fights even someone last week she got a UFC contract I believe and she made her MMA debut on the NY Contender Series like that's going to at least short term uh, lower the level of UFC fights and lower the level of excitement for us towards UFC fights unless you're one of the seven people who watches the Dana White Contender Series that's a big big issue I think for uh, maybe not for MMA, but definitely for the UFC, especially when Bellator are kind of ahead of them with that, because Bellator have been signing, you know, the likes of AJ McKee over in America and James Gallagher and Kiefer Crosby and you know Fabian Edwards and and you know all young guys coming through in America as well, and they kind of have been doing that for the last while, and maybe is a better spot to kind of do that. And I know uh, Graham Bylan kind of, I don't know, jokingly or maybe more trollingly said that Cage Warriors is the best. Um, place in in europe to develop fighters and bellator is the best place in america to the, the best development league in america and he's in when michael chandler signed for UFC, which is something i suppose we should talk about as well but what do you think of that no contender series stuff and the fact that all the fight like the level of fighter in the ufc is probably now less experienced and probably not as good in terms of like uh, getting towards the high level right now as they were maybe a couple of years ago do you think that's an issue for ufc yeah, yeah. Well, I think the UFC don't seem to care. Like it used to be that that, that people would kind of make fun of the boxing, the boxing card model, where you wouldn't have heard of the guys in the prelims. But mm-hmm. unless you're like a huge super boxing fan or a huge super, or MMA super fan, then you haven't heard of of these guys. You're not watching Dana White contender series, and for the fighters. Being in the UFC is great for them, getting sponsors or getting you know a bit of cash or whatever early. But if you're, as you said, somebody making a pro debut and then they're one and zero going into the UFC from the Contender Series for for that person's career, is it is it is it a good thing? I definitely don't think so. Um, if you put any of these, like even if Adesanya, you know, we're picking, we're both picking him to win at, at the weekend. He's undefeated. If you had to put him in the UFC in his first three or four fights. <laughs> His career probably would have been so different and not as not as uh he would be as good as he is yeah 100 percent uh and i suppose last thing mike chandler as i mentioned signed for ufc i love it i think like mike chandler has done his all he can do yeah. now in bellator uh still there there about i would rather the three or four years ago maybe but they have him as the backup for the habib versus gechi fight which uh, i think is a bit off. i reckon do you reckon they did that just it's because strange, yeah. they could offer him and that's his contract. Like you're you're in a you're in a title fight contract, so you're gonna get like a million quid to fight Habib if that happens. Bellator, you have to match that. Bellator said we're not giving him a million quid. No, take him on. And then if he doesn't get it, he'd probably be back on like you know a hundred thousand for the next fight. I don't I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe they will yeah. have to pay him that I amount mean, of money. But. There was talk. There was. There was talk of Eddie Alvarez having a thing in his contract within a certain amount of fights, wasn't it? That he was oh, yeah. to get a title shot. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe it's that, but. Um, yeah, uh, 
maybe he's looking at Habib's uh, injury and pull-out record and thinking, mm, there's a pretty good chance I could be fighting Gaethje yeah. here. Or, yeah. I think he just wanted to, to go to the UFC at this time. As you said, like he could have done it a few years ago and didn't, maybe should have. And this was kind of, if he signed a long-term deal with Bellator, it was kind of his prime was going to be over by the time he left so it was now or never really mm-hmm. 100% yeah I'm looking forward to it anyway uh, right well, I said it was going to be a shorter podcast turned into a fucking hour as always but these things happen in MMA we'll have loads more podcasts uh, so what, what did you think of the, the Premier League being back we'll have loads more podcasts <laughs> during the week uh, thanks everybody for listening penalty, uh, or no, penalty, penalty or no penalty did, did you see the Man United one though where Pogba's boot got kicked off yeah and, and that's what I'm talking about no I'm, talk, no I'm talking about the handball do you think that was a, oh, I thought the, that was the a ball penalty. hitting yeah, the end yeah. of the last hand well yeah it was a penalty but... do you think that's a penalty I, don't, I actually don't think that's a penalty I think it's too close and it's yeah. it's it's too close and it's too an unpredictable thing he tried to lob the keeper when it wasn't really on um, it's kind yeah, of like his, his hand on. was a little bit unnatural yeah it, like but it's too close. Like, yeah. but like, what? What about the? Uh, isn't there, it, what about the retaking? The, 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 yeah, well, that was that was that was by letter of law. That's one hundred percent correct. I, I don't think so. I don't think he was but, off his line. Like, well, his left leg was still on the oh, line was, when that yeah. ball was being kicked. I, I, I the, the Pogba no, one. Uh, well, like, I'd have to go back and and look, but uh, it looked to me like he was a, an inch or two off his line, and obviously no. that's a fine margin. But by letter of law, I think like you know that is a. Uh, that is a retake. I, I thought for like if it was but any other, just awful. He's terrible. Yeah, but if, well, he saved the penalty. Though. But if there was any other, if it was any other club, I feel like there would be uproar about that Pogba one. Like that was the most ridiculous decision I've ever seen. Like he stood in his boot and pulled it off in the box. Like there's absolutely no doubt that that's a penalty. Like you, you surely agree with that, do you? Like that's yeah, penalty. like yeah, if you stand on somebody's foot and their boot comes off, then it's a penalty, yeah. even if it's a mistake or whatever. But uh, you know, I don't. It's, I think it's Man United fans like complaining about penalty decision is a bit is, after last season is a bit. Well, is a bit strange. Is I, a bit. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't complain like, about their. You Ah uh, well, like, like I think at the time you probably did. Now you're it fits no, your narrative not no, to. I but uh... no, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I just like I, that was so. You, know, you were saying that, that happened, and you were like, "That's a penalty." When that happened, were you? The, the yeah, the, I think I was yeah. With the, the when I saw the replay, like I didn't see it at the time, but I watched the replay. I was like, like just by the letter of the law, it is like. But I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not like you. Like every decision is incorrect when it's against Liverpool. Like I'm that just that's not me. Like, but that Pogba one was ridiculous. Like it was ap- I I thought, and I, I was out drinking with lads, and they were saying like, no, no, that's not a penalty. I'm like, what are you talking actually, about? Actually, what did you think of what did you think of the Leeds Liverpool the Van Dijk uh, goal that was disallowed? Yeah, did like, you think that was a the, correct decision? The thing about it is, was they they gave a penalty for one of them, and they didn't bother giving a penalty for another one. It's like complete inconsistency. Like I don't think either of them were penalties to be honest. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I thought Liverpool. Got but the Van Dijk one where he scored the where he scored where he scored the goal that was disallowed. What did you think about that one? Like what exactly he, happened like, that one? He spun out. He he spun. It was a oh, corner. Oh yeah, you remember that? Away from the guy. Yeah. And like they claimed that Curtis Jones, who was like standing there looking, not even at looking in the other direction, the guy like like fell over him, and that was like a reason to disallow a, a perfectly good goal, in yeah. my opinion. But they gave another one then for the exact same thing, didn't they? That was it, wasn't it? No, yeah, they gave another did, one. Yeah, well, Fabinho was like Rodrigo, just like stupidly like turned his back and stuck out a leg and fouled Fabinho yeah, there were, there on a one. fake shot. You got two penalties, and Jay and one was a joke. I don't know, I can't remember. Yeah, Doesn't one matter. was one was a handball from a shot from Salah. Mm-hmm. The guy had his arm out and it like hit his arm. Yeah. Like th- those ones, like you know, if it if it hits off you first and then hits your arm, like it's it's such a harsh penalty. Like okay, sure you want to change the, the laws and stuff. But now they say that like if it hits your sleeve, it's your shoulder. I I, I don't think that's your shoulder uh, either. But uh, we have to get used to these new rules, I suppose. But it's at least it's good to see the refs going to the screens and actually making the decision themselves when, yeah. when um when it's when it's. Uh, I know obviously it didn't turn out well for Man United yesterday, but I think that's a step in the right direction for well, getting more VAR calls correct. Uh, if we're going to keep VAR, I agree. But I think we should just get rid of it because it's the worst fucking system ever. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible, but and even like it benefited well, Man United last United year. Fans don't want, don't want to. I do. Or I don't care. I, I'd rather a lot of titles with. No. I think you've forgotten how much the refs helped you win all the uh, uh, provincial titles. You what we would, like Man United got more penalties last year than they've ever gotten before. Like so, it helped Man United if anything, and I still want to get rid of it. So 
there you go right anyway I think like you know I can't remember all the penalties but I think the, most of the penalties last year in fairness were actual yeah, penalties yeah, exactly, it's just they yeah. wouldn't be given they, would, they wouldn't be given the other way and obviously when the team when people are biased towards like there's a lot of people who are Man United fans and historically there's a lot of people who are Liverpool fans and you know uh, people are going to be biased even if they try not to be mm-hmm. and like I don't know I think VAR can definitely like you know sometimes you see terrible decisions where a guy's two yards offside and it's a goal and it's given and oh. it's just it's awful like you know you scored a legit goal and you end up losing yeah. something like that is terrible but when when it's I don't know this thing of not putting the flag up until until they've scored and the play goes on and if it's not a goal it doesn't get reviewed and you might get a corner that you don't deserve because yeah. there's definitely a lot of problems with VAR a lot of little little problems that they need to fix but uh, we'll see how this this goes at least there won't be that thing where as much there won't be the thing of the ref not wanting the VAR ref not wanting to overrule his ref friend on the pitch at least these these refs for the, the, the not obvious decision can go and look at it themselves and make their own decision and not be worried about upsetting another referee. Yeah, that's it. Right, okay, that's it. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, tune in uh, during the week. Okay, we mentioned more that Man United are uh, already several point, uh, places behind Man City and Man City haven't even played a game. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Mail Podcast. <laughs> Thank you to everybody for listening. And we will end this with the inspiration quote of the week. The strongest people aren't always the people who win, but the people who don't give up when they lose. We'll see you next Tuesday. And that might actually be Tuesday. Good luck.